0: I, I did this. I spoke at this other church once. Um, it's on all So I did this in another church once, not thinking, just because it's what we do every time. And everyone just kind of looked at me and then sat down. <laughs> I was like, or don't say anything to each other. <laughs> if you don't like the person next to you, please don't speak to them for the love, you know, whatever. I was like, ah, oh. it was very strange. So I am glad that you at least like each other enough, or like chatting enough to actually want to say hey. So anyway, so let's do this. Let's go ahead and open to Acts 4 now. Can someone give me a brief update, though, on what happened at the end of chapter 3? You don't have to give every detail of the story. If you can, that's awesome, but you don't have to. Just what happened at the end of chapter 3 or during chapter 3? What's the story there? (coughs) we talking about last week? Mm, no. no, it would have been... See, you get a buy, You get a buy because Rhythm. you weren't there for chapter 3, but you can tell me about chapter 3. I would love for you to, because someone needs to. Or I'll wait. So you can, if you know what happened in chapter 3. Peter and John healed the lame man in the temple. Okay, they healed the, the lame... I almost said the maimed man. The lame man in front of the temple... Why Why is that... What, what was a little bit of detail that happened in that healing? Oh, people went crazy. Right. In what way? Like they just went crazy? Or would they... they, would they? Just overjoyed and then yeah. Followed, uh, yeah, they like rushed to the place. To right. Which, at the temple, there's a very... Like, it's not like... Okay, so I grew up in a church where you don't run in church. Right? So like when this is not the kind because my sons are the one doing it most but you know they just run around like this i would have gotten just karate chopped where i grew up if i would have been running like that at church i remember one time i decided i'm going to do it and i was like i'm going to see if i can crawl under every one of the pews all the way to the back and church wasn't all the way over but i was like i'm doing it so i did it and i didn't make it all the way there and it wasn't good but Oh, I, don't, I don't even know why we started that. Okay, so yeah, so, so I'm just remembering my childhood, like, oh, don't do that. So, um, but this, it's not just like that. It's not just you have to respect the place or the space. There are actual cultural rules and norms that are written in law about the temple that people have to enter certain parts of the temple a certain way, there has to be a certain ritual for all of that, and so if all these people rush this one area of the temple it's almost guaranteed that actual real laws are broken not just like religious norms that are unkind or like oh man everyone ran and disrespected the baptist church in this rural town it's not like that it's it's no laws of the state you know it's not a clear state at this point because of roman rule but laws of the state are broken by this so it's a big deal that people rush the place right if it's that exciting that everyone was like now let's just break all the laws to see what's happening. Kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. What else? What else about this story? Any other details we remember? These were unlearned men. The Pharisees, not the ones that doing the healing. Right. All right, right. So these guys do the healing, and do they just heal, or what else happens? They go. to friendly council. <coughs> they pull up there. Well, they're going to today. Pause. Uh, but what? No, no, no. You're good. You're good. No, no, no. You're good. But what happens after they heal him in that space? He jumps up. Jumps up and then Peter decides, let's give a speech. (laughs) Right? This is perfect. We have a crowd. Let's give a speech about what's just happened. And then gives a speech about Jesus. Right? Thus, the problem. That's not good. Okay? So that's that's what we find. This guy gets healed. You're all correct with your story. Thanks for helping explain it. It's definitely more fun that way. Good intro to chapter 4, Kevin. No, perfect. It's perfect. So then this is how it goes. This is how it goes. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were still speaking to the people, and they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus and the resurrection of the dead. So they seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Let's read this first part again. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching, proclaiming Jesus in the resurrection, and so they seized them. Why is that even a big deal? What power did the Pharisees and Sadducees and these temple magistrates have? What power did they have? Does anyone know? Was it just the pastor of the place? Political. political in some ways. What else? Yes, you're correct. What kind of political power? So here's the deal. Let me. Yeah, let's just... This is why this is a big deal. That's okay. No, it's good. It's good. It's not... We, we keep thinking... or I'm worried we think of these stories of the new church like it's today church. Like... People were meeting in a normal church environment and they just had a different idea of church environment and so there was conflict. That's not the case. It's not like the pastors and the elders came and were like, how dare you? You know, don't do that. We didn't have an elder meeting about this before you started talking. These people had enough power to kill Jesus a little bit ago. These people have all the the wealth power. They have The law power, they can write new laws and they do. They make things hard for the poor or whoever they would like to. They have the power of excommunicating people out of the temple, which actually excommunicates them out of culture. Do you remember when Jesus heals this guy, right? And he jumps up and he's happy about it and singing and they're like, who did this? And he's like, well, Jesus did, man. I I was blind and now I see. And they're like, no, no, no. That's not what we're saying who really made you see, trying to say, don't say it's Jesus. Don't you do it. And he's like, I I don't know what to tell you. You're smart guys. I'm telling you to your face. I was blind. Now I can see that guy Jesus did it. I don't know where he went. I don't know what he looks like. (laughs) He left. I don't know what to tell you. And they say, kick him out of the temple. Kicking him out of the temple didn't mean get out for today. It meant all your... Forgiveness abilities for sin for all of your future and all of your future family and all of that is now taken from you. I ripped that from you. I'm now taking away your ability to be right with God, not allowing you to be at this temple. Because again, this isn't modern church day. They don't like go pray for their sins at home, right? They don't invite a bunch of people over to their house and like, hey, would you pray for me? I have an issue. No, you go do that at the temple with the temple leaders through sacrifice, So when they kick him out of the temple, they say, no longer can you get right with God. We have power to do that. So when these people walk up to a group who is doing this unsanctioned thing, breaking actual laws more than likely, for sure, speaking of Jesus would have been there, I mean, they just killed the person. They just had Jesus killed. They bribed someone with silver to kiss his face, to take him and beat him and torture him, hand him over to people that could legally crucify him, and they do, when they walk up greatly disturbed by what people are saying and doing and immediately seize them, it's a big deal. It's not the pastor's upset with you. It is people that have the power to take your life or what the whole culture thought was the power to take your standing with God away. They could take that from you they were going to do it, right? That's, that's how serious it is that they come and seize them. It's not, again, like the church leaders came. It's the leaders of their culture came to threaten whatever they could, okay? So it's just, again, laying out the kind of the seriousness of this ordeal and remembering the fact they just killed Jesus a little bit ago. It wasn't long. So they keep going, And he said, but but many heard the message, 5,000 were added. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there, and so was Caiaphas. John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family, they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Now, can we think of why that question is significant? By what power and what name did you do this? I'm reaching on this one, but it's okay. A little bit. Yeah. Possibly. Possibly. What else? You're going to incriminate yourself immediately. It's like, what do you mean, what powers? You, you've, you seized me while I was talking. You seized me while I talked about you crucifying the person. What are you talking about? What powers did I do this, right? So again, it's either say the right answer, or say the answer, or what? Don't. That's it. What, what, is, what is another answer? I don't know. Our own. That's also bad. It's also blasphemy. <laughs> By yours? I mean, like, what are you going to say? What are you thinking, Kevin? It is. Yeah. You're correct. Like a standard question. Standard question. But it's always like an right. An entrapping question. And what does that question not deny? Right. At least it's an accusation of you're yes, right. you are. That is exactly it. That's the right answer. Is there's, you're already cursed. We didn't do it, yeah. or something else. the The right answer is you're going to be beat now. Is the deal, or something again, very bad? Because it, it, not even at the most, but more than likely, again, it's that. Oh, you can control disease and lame sickness. Interesting. How do people get? sickness and diseases and whatever well their parents sin or they do this so you must be evil. At the least it's you're doing something outside of what God has established as the correct order to do things and so you are at the least disobedient of the order that we are a part of and have the keys over. Right? At the least. And I love too (laughs) that there's no question about was this a fake healing or is this really a guy that was lame? That's, that's, they're past that point. And that makes it more dangerous for Peter and John and more beautiful all at the same time because they're like, how did you do this? <laughs> You've obviously done something. We hate admitting that anyway. How did this go down? How, what, what were the words you said? Who, whose power did you, you know, get to do this? Um, so I agree with you, all. you all. That's great thoughts. <laughs> he says... By what power and name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, says to them, Rulers and elders of the people, If we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed, then I'm going to tell you. (laughs) So he says, Then know this, You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, the God is raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected, that you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Even more, salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And this answer is so beautiful because yes, of its boldness. Because Peter understands everything you just said very firsthand, completely. And I love that that mere at most months ago, this this teenage normal child asked Peter in a group of people around a fire, weren't you with Jesus once? Didn't I see you with him? And Peter rains down curses and says no. I mean, I, I don't know how Peter, how apt he was at raining down curses on a question like that. But with him being a fisherman, he was probably really good at convincing everyone there that no, it's crazy to think that he could have possibly been with a man on trial right then. And then the most powerful people, months later, the most powerful people in his sphere of influence, the ones that can not only, in, in their culture's thought, murder him, for sure, and totally live justice-free afterwards, but could also, even more, take his right for forgiveness from God that he wants to worship. Can do all of that. And his answer is not raining down curses about how he doesn't know Jesus, but simply saying, if you want to know, if you're really asking me how this man is healed, it is completely by Jesus of Nazareth, who you killed, Number one, who you, the builders, rejected completely. And now he is, in fact, taking your place. He is now the cornerstone of everything that we are going to do, everything about our faith moving forward. He always has been and will continue to be this cornerstone. And if you want to know more, it's not just the healing of that man. It's also the salvation of our nation. It's the salvation of our culture. It's the salvation of people in this world that can only happen from his name that's how we did this that is a very big difference <laughs> there's been some sort of change and i know we have said it at length and i know it seems simplistic to us but the holy spirit actively working in our life does that change and more and so when we when we think and when we when we pray and when we hope for just I mean, even, even the simplest thing of like hoping we respond better in certain situations. Hoping we discipline our children better. Hoping we react differently to our boyfriend or our spouse or our, our parents when they ask us a question. Hoping we, you know, have the answer to say when someone at work asks us if we were at some meeting or some protest or what we're doing about Houston or if we're doing this. When we hope to just do different Maybe we hope and plead with the Holy Spirit to change us like this. Maybe we say that is going to come when the Holy Spirit starts to actually renew our life and really change it and really start to do some works that Peter, even walking around with Jesus in the flesh, it didn't happen for him. Rains down curses on a a teenage girl who's claiming, I did actually see you with him, I think. So the most powerful people in the land are saying, we're entrapping you. We're also giving you some sort of out. If you want to snivel out of this, we might let you. And he says, well, I'll tell you who healed the guy, and I'll tell you who's going to heal your soul. I'll I'll give you all that. There's a big difference. And and I know so many of conversations that that I've had with some of you, that you've had with each other, and that I know the ones I have with my wife when I'm just like hoping for myself to be different and better and and actually righteous, right? And it, it just seems that presence with the Holy Spirit, this communion with the Spirit of God currently with us changes us even without our knowing it. Just this communion that these people desired to be with the Jesus that left. Even the Holy Spirit of this Jesus that is now gone and away and they're hoping he comes back soon enough, right? The the desire for communion there changed them. Completely changed how they reacted. Changed their courage and their boldness. They didn't longer ask, who was it that sinned? Lame guy. Was it you or your parents? Remember they asked Jesus that. Who sinned? This guy or his parents? Jesus is like, oh, please stop. (laughs) No one. Let's just make him walk. Let's help him walk. Let's just give him a new life. Stop doing that. Stop, Stop trying to figure out who is the problem. Just change his life. And so how do they act when the Holy Spirit is a part of them? Hey, sir, we have something for you. Rise up and walk. Dance about. Let's tell a story. Let's get you out of here. Right? The Holy Spirit changing their life. That's, that's, that's the only thing that has happened between now and then that makes them any different whatsoever. And then Jesus isn't there to, you know, I mean, I don't know. Let's continue, sorry. We're staying on that. So, um, it says this in verse 13. for 13. When they saw the courage of Peter and John, this is what Brian was talking about. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus, which is also interesting. They're actively still campaigning, threatening against Jesus, but they know, oh man, these people healed someone that's sick and now have boldness and don't mind telling us who could end their lives that this is how they did it. They must be with Jesus. Let's still war against that, which is confusing to me. But since they could see the man who was standing there with them, there's nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and they conferred together. What is it that we are going to do with these men, they ask? What can we do? What have we got? Because these people are so ordinary. It's not their charisma. It's not. It's not their wealth. It's not their education. It's not how brilliant they are. It's not how connected their parents are. It's not that they had a great head start. They are really just fishermen who have kind of been out of work for three years, following this person around that we got crucified. And yet, they're selling everything they have. Their community is growing stronger. Now they've brought it to the temple and healed someone. These are just people they're just normal. They must have actually been with Jesus. And this this piece has like haunted me for a few weeks, by the way. That, that how we're reacting to the world around us right now, how we're reacting about Houston's and Port A and and. Corpus is just immense tragedy. How we're reacting to, to people thinking that it is reasonable and righteous to light torches and, and, and scream chants that not only marginalize but threaten a people. How we react to those things. How we react when our, our employer is completely unfair to us. How we react when our employer is unfair to someone else and it benefits us. How we respond to those things shows the world whether we have been with Jesus or it shows them that we want to either hide the fact that we've been Jesus or are not with Jesus. I, I don't have a lot of options on this one for myself. How we respond in an argument with your spouse shows them, yes, you're an ordinary person who is not so great and special as you may have thought when you first married each other, but you're with Jesus. You've been with Jesus. So things are going to be different. Things are going to change. Things are going to... How I respond to I was telling you all this silly story about Asher making us late for the train and me trying not to lose my mind and all this stuff the other day. But how I respond to him shows him is if his father has been with Jesus. And that is simplistic, but it, it, was some, it was simplistic here, you know? And I just wonder what our reactions to the world show the people around us. I wonder what they show. I wonder if they just show we're very religious with no power behind it or no grace behind our religion or no mercy, right? I've, I just, that makes me so frustrated, but I can also just err on that side so often, right? I have this set of beliefs. They are important. I may not know why I believe them. There may be no grace behind them, but these are them. This is me. Does that show someone we're with Jesus or does it show someone we're with a subculture? Or I wonder if just our silence, what our silence says, we don't speak into a situation. We don't speak up for the marginalized. When we don't we don't give grace give grace for the real oppressed people, when we also laugh when someone is systematically marginalized. What does that say about us? What does it say about not just you or your house, what does it say about us, the we? What does it say about you when other people in my life who know you are my people or know you are, I am one with you in this church when I react to the world a certain way? really desperately, so desperately want because of our reactions to the world and the way we respond to people and the way we love passionately, the way we are people that really believe there's no debt outstanding except the one to love each other. I really hope when people see us about and the people that know us closest just know yes, that guy or that girl is extremely an ordinary person that probably could use more education and probably could know more about this thing they're talking about or probably needs more charisma or probably needs to, you know, just think through. They don't have money to give here, okay? Whatever it is that they may see, but maybe they also see, but ah, something else. They've, something other than that is driving them. Some power, some love, some grace. This Jesus kingdom. Drives them. I so desperately want people to see us that way. I really do. I want people to see me that way. I want my sons to see me that way. I I want them to not think I'm nice. Just nice. I mean, I want to be nice. (laughs) It's Better than being a jerk. But I don't want them to be like, I don't want people at my work to be like, yeah, Austin's a super nice guy. That's not enough. It's not even real hard to be (laughs) nice. nice enough. I don't want people to just say, oh yeah, they're just the funniest. Oh, that guy? You know, come on. And so, again, that, and we'll keep going, that, that is not a haunting thing. That has been a very convicting phrase for me this last two and a half or so weeks thinking through this. Just that, I mean, I want want to spend time with you. For however the conversation goes, however I may help or not, (laughs) my advice may be terrible, but maybe I love you so, that you're like, ah, well, that advice was awful, and I'm not doing it, but he was with Jesus, at least. I mean, he loves us. He at least was good to me in that way. (laughs) I want that for us, too. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin. They conferred together. What are we going to do? Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they performed a notable sign, and we can't even deny it, which I love. They're like, everyone knows. We can't even deny it because the person's walking about. There were so many people at the temple that day. They all saw. They all told everybody. We can't be like, no, no, it didn't happen. Everyone saw it. The guy's still alive walking around, dancing and jumping and stuff. He won't even just normally walk. He just is using his legs now all the time. He, he, we, we can't deny this. What are we going to do? <laughs> and they say, but to stop this thing from spreading further, we must warn them to no longer speak to anyone in this name. That was what they had. That's what they had. Let's just tell them not to. <laughs> right? That sounds so silly to me. And I, reading this earlier, I was like, What? Get out of here. He just told you to your face what they did. How are you going to be like, no, don't tell anybody else. Oh, yeah, all the people with less power than you that aren't going to beat me and murder me in front of everyone or send me out of the temple and my culture, don't tell them? That's a little easier. They're the ones that are easy to tell. You're the one that has, I mean, what are you talking about don't tell, right? But then I think again, I think about our life. I think about which things are socially acceptable to talk about or not talk about at a dinner party what things are okay not to tell. (laughs) We can disagree with racism all we want until we talk to a semi-racist and then we have to just kind of get along with them for the sake of not having a confrontation. I mean, get out of here. You know? We have someone in our life, surely, that we're kind of embarrassed about this kingdom we love that we're trying to follow. I mean... I don't know. I, li- I laugh at this, but then I say, I mean, they could probably get by doing that to so many of us. Don't do it. Okay. It's going to be religiously weird. It's going to cause problems. It's going to make awkwardness in dinner. I won't. It's fine. I'll just wait till the time is right. Right? Which is something to say about that too, I guess. I don't know. They call them together. They say, don't teach in the name of Jesus. And Peter and John reply, which obviously they're going to reply, which is right in God's eyes to listen to you or to him. You can be the judge of that. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They're like, no, no, we're not kidding. Really don't do it. Peter and John are like, okay. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. We're going to talk about what we've seen and heard. And they decide here, or they decide that they can't decide how to punish them. Because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man that was miraculously healed was over 40 years old, so everyone knows him. So we have this conundrum with their culture right now that that we're going to see the conundrum, the tension is going to be more clear as it goes, but right now no one knows what to do. Like, well, let's just threaten them. We can't even agree on how to punish them. Let's just tell them to stop and send them on their way. That's all we've got right now. So they're perplexed as well, right? Kind of like times with Jesus when they met him and they were like, we have to destroy him, that word they use, like they sought immediately to destroy him, but they can't figure out how. Like, but how do we destroy him? How do we kill him? What do we even do about this? How can we stop them? And that's the beauty also of what happens. The, the beauty of their act, the beauty of their courage in talking with them, their argument's sake, the way they've obviously been with Jesus, this, this authority that emits from them, right? And no one can decide what to do, and that... That is part of what's beautiful. Now, again, they're going to decide how to handle this very soon. It turns very difficult for believers about now. But just the the beauty of the church beginning is so intriguing, right? It can teach us, I feel like, so much about how we're we're acting as a we, about how our church has an us and the church's, in Austin, as a church universal, how we conduct ourselves and how we act and how we press forward in our culture and for, sometimes, for our culture. But, but this is what I want us to do. I want us to pray about a few things. Um, to pray about for sure, just maybe you're with me on this one, just pray about surely how the world is seeing us. What, what, are, what is our response to the world? What is it showing us about who we have been with and who we are? What is, what is guiding our life? What is this guiding factor about us that makes us speak when we speak and, and argue about what we argue about and stand for what we stand for and, and love who we love and how we love? What is that driving force, right? What is that? Is it being kind? Is it a subculture? Is it the idea of getting along? Is it Jesus' kingdom? Is it Jesus himself? Those things. I want us to pray about that and figure out and just take a good look at yourselves and say, okay, what, what is the truth of this? Do people, would anyone ever feel like, oh, that person, they've surely been with Jesus? And then further than that too, I just want us to to understand and, and pray that God would remind us that when we feel inadequate and unschooled and ordinary or strapped for time and cash or strapped for energy or any type of social engagement, that that is, that is, That is not a reason to not have a bold love, to not have a solid voice, to not really express Jesus' power through our life. Because in fact, we are at our weakest point. When we are, when we seem to be powerless people, the kingdom shines through us. And I don't mean for that to sound like a cheesy statement at all. I mean really, when we at our end. And God does great things through our life. And so I want us to pray together. Let's do that. Let's let's actually stand together and pray. Lord, we do ask that that you would in I mean right now right now I, I am obviously reminded that in our weaknesses that you are strong through us that yes We are a group of fairly ordinary individuals. Some of us are in positions of great influence, and some of us don't feel that we are. Some of us probably feel like we have means to help in ways that that seem great, and then some of us worry that we don't have enough means to help at all. But God, here while we're talking, when the scripture is open, when we're kind of nodding in agreement with each other, we can remember that no, we are the ones you want to use. That it is just at this time, it is just here now, it is in the midst of our neighborhood and our coworkers, in the midst of our anxiety, in the midst of our financial crunch, in the midst of... our depression, or our doubt, or in the midst of our marital difficulties, or in the midst of our new job that we're not even sure about, it is now that you want to use us to change the world. It is not wait until things are right. It is not wait until you succeed. It is not wait until you have more influence. It is now, and we can believe that now, maybe, But God, Tuesday brings its day and it brings its challenge. And we are prone to forget. We are prone to forget that our prayers can change each other's lives. Our prayers can join with your power. We forget that one box of diapers is still a box of diapers. We forget that speaking up at the right time with your guidance can be powerful and that our voice can echo. We forget that on Tuesday. So remind us. Set that truth deep in us. And God, too, I just... I just want our neighborhoods to know we've been with Jesus. Even if they can't name it, it's fine. We want them to, and we hope to. God, we want to, your kingdom, to just kind of overtake the things we do so that the kids we teach at school know that this teacher is gracious in a different way. This teacher loves more intensely. This teacher is more patient than anyone. And we want our coworkers to know This person doesn't want to get ahead by wrongful means. They root for me to succeed as well. There must be something about them. And God, we want our neighbors and our closest friends and our spouses to see us and know, no, Jesus and the Holy Spirit are rubbing off on this person. They are a different man. They are a different woman these days because of the Holy Spirit. And we want that. We do. So please help us. In Jesus' name.